0: True. Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how helpfully, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Lightning recap. In Edgar Allan Poe's The Tell-Tale Heart, a man goes mad, kills a man, then goes madder.
1: You've got a little time.
0: We've got a little podcast.
1: It's Short Story Short Podcast. I am... Still Christopher J. Garcia, here with...
0: I am now... Uh, Queen Victoria, also known as Christy Baxter.
1: Pretty good pseudonym. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, hey, hey, Christy.
0: Yes?
1: I've got some liquid eyeliner on. I'm wearing velvet. I have frilly cuffs. I'm feeling fairly goth. What short story? should I have read previous to now?
0: I would say if you were feeling fairly goth, the absolute best short story for your gothy little heart would be Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart.
1: This, of course, is a classic. This is, I would say, the second one you almost certainly read junior year of high school. It is, revisiting it now, now that I don't have to do it, the day before for a class, and it said you can do it thirty minutes before for a podcast. <laughs> um, it really strikes me that this is a story of massive amounts of personification and voice, mm-hmm. and I think what Poe has managed to do is produce this voice of what he sees as reason madness. The the narrator. But we 100% from the very first line know that this is just crazy madness.
0: Yeah, it's, he establishes the purpose and the, the general voice of the story very early on. Uh, nervous, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. And you know, then immediately the question, but, but you think I'm mad? <laughs> okay, sure. You know, and it it, it does an excellent job of settling the reader in to the ride that they are in for, buckling them in as it were. Yeah, and I think
1: actually my, the line that really shows me this sort of, this, it's a descent into madness in a way, but we know from a fact, this is sort of the dramatic irony of this one. We know he's full-blown Lindsay Lohan 2009 crazy. <laughs> um from the get-go
0: leave but, Lindsay alone
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey we stopped caring about her now we care about britney um that but, is true but the section that really shows sort of that progression is uh now this is the point you fancy me mad mad men know nothing he's literally saying that you know i'm not crazy because i know what's going on but we know he's crazy <laughs>
0: Yeah, because he describes what he believes to be going on, and we can objectively perceive that as not the product of a sane working mind, but yeah. he can't perceive that.
1: And, you know, in so many ways, what Poe does is he uses language in a very, very precise way. And what's amazing is in this story, more so than in any other story Poe I can think of ever having read, um, having read at least three Poe stories. Um, (laughs) I can say this one is minimalist compared to all the rest, that he does get into that sort of that verbose, uh, I'm going to tell you exactly what everything is, and you're going to shut the hell up and sit there. Uh, But instead here, it's everything is sort of snippets. Uh, You know, uh, the officers were satisfied. My manners had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. I mean, it's just, there's not a lot of commas in this thing.
0: That is very true. Uh, he does earn those longer sentences full of M dashes, which I, uh, I am a, a soul sister to Poe in the love of M dashes. I am quite the M dash aficionado. For those who don't know, because it's actually not as widely known as I thought, the M dash is the, the longer hyphen. Uh, I've I've had to teach my my students that many times <laughs> they will look at me like I've I've got like a bat on my head or something when I'm trying to say like oh m dashes and they're like what the hell <laughs> so is that a bat <laughs> he's looking very closely at the camera and uh, no that's my headphones so <laughs> so yeah oh. this this sort of and and the m dashes contribute so heavily to the voice that you couldn't take them out and have it be the same because they are, in this case, the sign of a disordered mind. When I'm using them, it's just because it's a a (laughs) crutch.
1: I think that's actually a really good point. I think that where, what Poe has done here that is fascinating is, this is the ultimate example of tell, don't show. We are being told this story, and... One of the reasons why Poe is so influential, that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Um, A lot of hand motions to get to that influence. Um, He's so influential is that he took the way his characters speak and he altered it just enough to fit to his premise. And when you look at the people who came after Poe, uh, people particularly I'm thinking of William Hope Hodgson, uh, to a degree, H.P. Lovecraft, um, who, honestly, he sounds like he should be some sort of fuzzy little character. I am H.P. Lovecraft! Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and they took that idea, and they ran with it. And, in particular, from the Telltale Heart, what they took was the ability to use the way people speak to institute madness within the character flow, and ultimately to the plot the plot here is super simple and the story is actually it's a lot shorter than I remember it being but uh that simplicity I think leaves all of this room for Poe's character to be Poe-like
0: yeah it is it is very much shorter than I remembered I'm on board with you on with that I was like oh we're we're at the end already oh my (laughs) That was quick. (laughs) I actually was wondering if perhaps there was more to it that was for some reason not being shown on the Poe Museum website where I was reading it. But I was like, no, I remember this is how it ended. (laughs) And Chris got it from the exact same source. (laughs) So yeah, he does. This this is really, I think, an excellent portrayal of somebody whose mind and sanity are disintegrating. It's, it's something that Poe was so good at, possibly with good reason. <laughs> I'm not always one to conflate an author's portrayals in fiction with their real life, but we do know enough about Poe's life to kind of wonder how much of might be inspired by two not events, but at least feelings maybe, thoughts, (laughs) emotions. So yeah, I do feel like it's this amazing portrayal that really gets inside this mind uh, that of course, the thing about, that they say about insanity as they, they used to call it was, you know, that the insane don't know they're insane. When you're having delusions, you don't know they're ha- you're having delusions because they feel real to you, because that's what a delusion is, a false th- premise that feels real to you. And he really manages to get that across in the fiction that we are dealing with the most reliable of unreliable narrators. It's somebody who's telling us the absolute truth about his experience because he feels that it will vindicate him. And in the end, it damns him.
1: correct Uh,
0: there it is raise my cup
1: (laughs) i think one of the interesting things about this is we know who the speaker is
0: who's the listener that's an excellent question um all of us and and that's what makes
1: me so interesting like it when it gets portrayed typically in adaptations it's he's confessing to the fuzz uh the flatfoots the g-man uh, and the, particularly the very last line, villains, I shriek, dissemble no more. I admit the deed. tear up the planks here, here. It is the beating of this hideous heart, um, which seems to indicate that this is a confession to a specific force. My other reading, though, as I often do,
0: I think he's talking to himself. Ooh, I like that because I do disagree with the version where he's telling this story to officers simply because the prose proves that wrong. It's the next last paragraph. The officers were satisfied. I mean, I know that we're dealing with with somebody who's on shaky ground mental health wise, but I don't think that he would talk about them like they weren't there if he was telling them exactly what was happening or had happened. Um, it maybe could be, if we wanted to go with uh, deeper into reality, as it were, it could be a jury. Mm-hmm. It could be a uh, doctor in a uh, old timey sanitarium.
1: It sanitarium could just be a Sanitarium Then you go to shed a few pounds or to get crazy.
0: Wait, I, I think I've just been using them interchangeably the whole time, and always meaning a, a you know old timey mental hospital.
1: Possibly, uh, but uh, and I think the only thing that this proves that is at the very end when he says "villain dissemble no more," it seems like he's obviously in the place of the. Offense, where he's digging, where he's getting at the heart, which makes me think it's other officers.
0: Uh, I still disagree with that because I think that's what he said in the moment to the officers. That that's in his recounting of it. It's just another part of his retelling of of the incident. that's how how i read it at least i mean i I certainly could be wrong but it feels to me like this is just the end of his recounting not necessarily uh an an attacked on addition that he's saying to the person he's telling the story to
1: Hmm. a fair point also i've been known to be wrong before uh
0: no never i don't believe
1: sarcasm yeah that'll work um (laughs) I think one of my favorite parts of this though, is that it is so easy to adapt this to just about anything. Uh, we have avant-garde films from the 1920s. We have multiple theatrical versions. We have The Simpsons uh, <laughs> The Simpsons version where they make where Lisa steals a reconstruction of the telltale heart and buries it underneath the the thing during diorama rama uh like it's so easy and i think part of that is because poe pared everything down he boiled it to absolute syrup here and i think that what he managed to do is give you prime essence of stuff and and still though he managed he managed to work the word bosom into it which makes me happy
0: (laughs) of course it does (laughs) Yeah, he really, to, to expand on your syrup metaphor, that some writers will give you the sauce, but he gives you the reduction.
1: Oh. The you, as it were. No, wait, yeah. that's not a reduction. When you reduce a you, it becomes a sorrel, A sorrel. I don't know. Food. I'm hungry now. Thanks, jerk.
0: <laughs> you started it with syrup, uh, and now I want pancakes.
1: <laughs> wait, what? <laughs>
0: There was one one thing I wanted to touch on, which was the the repetition of a certain theme. And that's this laughter. I loved that particular use of that device, for instance, in one paragraph. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. That's his head. This is not porn. Um, And then another part, you know to think that there I was opening the door little by little and he not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea. And then again, I knew what the old man felt and pitied him. Although I chuckled at heart and that, that laughter is definitely has that feeling of sort of an inappropriate reaction in the moment to, and, and also cruel and unempathetic because he's talking about, laughing about his plot against this old man that he's going to kill who thinks he's his friend
1: true but he had a tongue um
0: (laughs) oh well but yeah that that milky eye you know like god forbid
1: (laughs) uh i think one of the interesting things here is this is one of his and this will sound strange this is one of his less supernatural uh pieces and even though you know It's specifically talking about this, if you read it literally, it's talking about uh, a crazy, insane, disembodied heart that it continues to be underneath the floorboards. Um, But we have to remember something about this that I think is really fascinating. There was no such thing as psychology at this point. Yeah. He's writing a few decades ahead with his portrayal of madness. And yeah, you're right. I think actually he probably had a bit of the crazy two-step in him. Uh, (laughs) But I think one of the things here that he does so well is he captures what it is like to be in a dissociative moment.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, yes.
1: And I think that is one of the reasons why he stands so well, because he captures that and is also uh, just... That shit insane. Just everything about Poe's characters is insane. Even the smart ones, even the normal ones
0: mm-hmm. are crazy. And I think we don't have that supernatural aspect, but somehow it's all the more terrifying because it's more something we could encounter in the real world. And that is a person who has lost touch with reality and is embracing this delusion that they have. And the delusion is making them Think that their actions are right and justified and okay, and sometimes even funny apparently, and so and that that's absolute certainty. No, I'm not mad. I'm right. It's right of me to kill this man. I have to kill this man. Is terrifying because as opposed to supernatural things, you know. I guess it's fine if you believe in those things. I don't believe in a lot of supernatural stuff, but I certainly believe in people who are, you know, like really attached to their delusions, believe in them wholeheartedly, and do terrible things as a result. Those are definitely out there for sure. So, so like, I mean, let's see, uh, was it Richard Ramirez mm-hmm. who thought that, you know, uh, basically it was like a, a vampire where an unlocked door was an opened invitation?
1: Was it Ramirez? No, it was uh, Richard Speck.
0: Oh, I could have sworn it was Ramirez. We're going
1: gonna... to. Well, it, I mean, there are so many. Um, there
0: are so many. It could have been both for all we know. And that, again, that's what's scary about it, is yeah. that the, these people, people like that are out there. And in our current state of society, they're not getting a lot of help and assistance with their mental state and in the state of post society well it wasn't all that different <laughs> so <laughs> they weren't getting help with their mental state so the reality of it i think is the scariest part
1: true and i think really when i cut someone up and put their heart underneath the floorboards if it started beating i would be freaked out i mean there's already seven down there if one of them decides to do this <laughs> i mean metaphorically speaking of course
0: I I should remind you that the very beginning of this podcast, you pushed a button and then a voice in my ear said, recording in progress. (laughs) And so that is just information I feel like you need to know. The one moment, actually, the cutting out of the heart and the the dismemberment, that was the one uh, that kind of disrupted my suspension of disbelief a little bit. And I had to remind myself that this was 1800s. You know, it wasn't modern day forensic files when he said he didn't get any blood anywhere. Uh, And and that's it seems impossible, even in the 1800s with forensic methods back then. It seems like it would be impossible, but they didn't have luminol. So I guess I should just go ahead and, and say it's probably possible. Yes,
1: which made me realize, I think you're thinking of Richard Chase
0: oh goodness i'm so certain in my certitude much like a man who sees somebody else's milky eye and thinks they need to kill him that i am right and it is driving me crazy
1: (laughs) i think what's great is that when we hear him talking he's talking to himself and uh the wonderful you know uh It is nothing but the wind in the chimney. It is only a mouse crossing the floor. It is merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. I love that that ability that Poe had to give you little pieces. And this is actually, Poe is the best example of a paragraph writer. He is not writing sentences. He is writing paragraphs. And I think that that is beautiful in this case. Because that can be cheap. That can tire you out. But here it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. And it just, it gets you.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of that earlier, that he was definitely a paragraph writer. And your, your, your definition of writers by, you know, like phrase, sentence, paragraph, story has definitely kind of altered how I look. Because now every time I read a story, I have to be like, hmm, phrase, sentence. I think I added phrase, but phrase, <laughs> sentence, paragraph, or story. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm glad because that means it's evolving.
0: It is evolving. It's getting out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My ability to talk, however, is devolving.
1: <laughs> I love Devo. Um, what else? You got any other thoughts on this one?
0: Uh, I looked it up and I think you were right. It's Richard Chase. And I'm mad at myself because I've been saying Richard Ramirez for like a couple years now. And, <laughs> but that's OK. It's OK to be wrong sometimes. You know, we're all wrong sometimes. At least it's okay when I'm wrong. It's not. It's not super okay when other people are wrong. I don't have that much grace.
1: <laughs> the only thing it's okay to be wrong about is liking the bare naked ladies.
0: Uh, oh, hey, <laughs> Christy. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've got it. I've got us. What are we going to read next week? We are going to read. Googling the story that I bookmarked earlier. Hoping that I can still access it because it's in the Atlantic and they have a limit. Oh, I love the Atlantic. The Richest Babysitter in the World by Curtis Sittenfeld. Ooh,
1: a babysitter show.
0: Yeah. Now I have to keep this tab open forever or until I read it.
1: <laughs> so until 30 minutes before my next episode.
0: Yes. So uh, and it, for the next six days and 23 and a half hours. Right. Well then
1: I think I think Poe would be pleased with our work.
0: Agreed. I guess. Okay. I then. don't know. <laughs> you look uncertain now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, it was just the beating of the kitty's heart.
0: Oh, number number
1: eight. I might be having a heart attack. Uh oh no. Yeah. Well, in that case, this has been short
0: story short podcast